I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among good the Good morning, poor. good morning. Beautiful out there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those days where uh, lots of people are getting into their cars in order to visit uh, a farm for the day. Mm-hmm. You know, that's called agricultural tourism. Hmm. Or, in short, ag tourism. Sure. Some people call it an ag adventure. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's also educational, and boy, can you get some great food when you go visit a farm. And what some people may not realize is that many family farms uh, welcome visitors to their land because it's a really needed source of income. Mm-hmm. You know that the family farm, um, there are fewer and fewer of those, in not only in the state of Wisconsin, but countrywide. Every single year. In fact, last year, the state of Wisconsin lost over 100 farms. Wow. And uh, a lot of that is due to consolidation, the pressures um, that a small farm feels from larger competitors is really serious. As you well know, you've mm-hmm. been farming for a long, long time, Dave Corbett. Mm-hmm. And so in an effort to stay on the farm, um, to continue providing the food and the fuel and the fiber that we've become very used to having always on hand, many farms open their land to tourism of all kinds. So as you know, at Bullbrook Keep, my farm, um, I have people coming for pasture walks. Mm -hmm. So we go and take a look at how the cattle are moved from one paddock to another, Uh, why it is that um, my husband Dave and I raise our cattle in this way. And we get to hear about people's food journeys. And we get, you know, easily a couple hundred visitors in a single year. In fact, uh, coming up on July 15th, uh, about 10 of our farms in our local area, right around the Apple River, will be hosting a farm tour. When was that again? July 15th. And I'll be getting some information to you so that you can have that on hand. Okay. But there are many farms that um, not necessarily do pasture walks, but use their beautiful, beautiful settings to rent their space for big family occasions, private Mm -hmm. occasions, by invitation only occasions. Mm -hmm. And these are called event spaces, farm-based event spaces. A lot of people call them wedding barns. Oh, sure. Okay. You've heard that that phrase. And... These have become extraordinarily popular over the last several years. Lots and lots of families choose to hold their special occasion, especially weddings, on the farm because they are such a connection back to some uh, values that really matter. Well, interestingly enough, this past, in the past 10 days, the Wisconsin uh, Assembly introduced a bill that does a good job of, I think, uh, kind of retooling the liquor laws for the state, and in fact, to the benefit of wineries and breweries. But unfortunately, there is language in that bill, and it's AB 304, that would severely restrict and um, may threaten or cripple 
the event barns in the state mm. of Wisconsin. And we have with us this morning someone who knows about this um, bill and about how this would affect her business intimately, Sarah Haas yep. of Croyview Event Barn. Sarah, thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, how, what, first explain about your business. What is it that you do? Sure. Yep, absolutely. So um, my husband and I purchased this property uh, about 11 years ago from a century farmer. Um, we, my husband's uh, family has been dairy farming for 100 years as well. So he was, you know, working on the farm um, and we wanted to be closer to the dairy. Um, at the time, we were living about eight miles away. So we purchased this property and, um, you know, I had grandiose ideas of my next, my next place that I owned would be a, an open concept rambler that we would build. Um, but we, we got this opportunity and we came and looked at the property and we knew the people. And, um, I love my house. Of course, I love it now. I, you know, I made it my own, but it's a, it's a 79 rambler. It's not my open concept rambler, but, um, what I fell in love with was, um, as we were looking at this property, I walked into our over hundred year old barn and I fell in love. I fell in love from the minute I opened the doors, even seeing past all the hay chaff and relics and everything that was in there. Um, and I just thought, you know what, this is something special. And this just, I got to do something with it. And at the time I really wasn't sure what it was going to be. And so, um, you know, it just kind of evolved into this, um, business, this barn business, um, barn weddings were just becoming popular at, you know, back in 2015 is kind of when we started, um, our renovations with the barn. And by 2016, um, you know, we, that was our first season that we opened. I think we had 12 weddings our first season. Um, I, you know, I was contracting these couples, um, while we were replacing flooring and I mean, it was, it was a, it was a mess in there. And, um, you know, I just asked these people, I said, how, how could you, you know, how did you, um, say, okay, I'll, I'll contract with you at the state it was in. And, you know, they just, they looked, they, every one of them said, we just could tell by your passion that you were going to do what you said you were going to do. And so, um, you know, that was our first season. Uh, we are now in our eighth season, right? I can't, I got to do the math, but uh, our eighth season, we've done over 120 weddings. Um, we've brought thousands and thousands of people into our local community, um, you know, and so just to, to see a wedding on a farm, we don't, we don't milk cows here. We do have young stock, so that's fun, especially because we, you know, obviously we glean a lot of um, business from the Twin Cities. So for them to see a cow wandering around, I mean, they just think that's the neatest thing they've ever seen. <laughs> so, so Sarah, you you started with a dream. You did amazing renovations on that barn. I took a look at your uh, website and was floored by the type of work that you had to do in order to make it a not only a beautiful space but a safe space for people to come. Your space, you rent it to the customer. You don't, you don't, uh, I mean, that's the, that's the contract that you've got. It's renting the space. Yep. Yep. It's just the space. So 
We don't, um, you know, we don't provide food. We don't provide, you know, drinks, nothing like that. It's just a space. So, you know, the contract just basically is like you would contract with, you know, any other business um, that you're renting space. It just states that, you know, we're going to do what we said we're going to do, and they're going to do what they said they're going to do by keeping things, you know, not wrecking things and adhering to, you know, any of our restrictions on, noise and and those kinds of things all right so you rent the space to them and this is uh and the events that are held there these events are by invitation yes yes so it's a private invite only event these weddings um so they're only inviting you know the people they know um and you know our typical wedding is about 200 people um, and then they bring in, they hire a licensed caterer, um, and then they bring in all their own um, pop and water and alcohol. And then we, um, we have, I require that they use a licensed bartender to serve the drinks, um, but it has to be an open bar because in the state of Wisconsin, as the law currently sits, um, you are allowed to gift your, your guests alcohol at a private event similarly to how you would if you were having a graduation party or an anniversary party. Um, it's really no different. It's just it's being held in my space on my private property. So there's no money that exchanges hands between the people who are invited and that bartender? No. Right. So nothing is being sold on your premises? No. All right. No. How far in advance do wedding parties actually contract for your space? Um. I've had usually at least a year, but a year and a half is not uncommon. Um, I mean, I had an inquiry recently for 2026, which seems far out. But, uh, you know, I mean, some couples do a long engagement. Maybe they want to wait till they're done with college or they want to, you know, they just want to make sure they save up all the money so they can just pay for it with cash and not have to go in debt. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, but typically speaking, about a year and a half is is um, as far out as I've contracted. So if it's not a trade secret, um, do you have many weddings already uh, scheduled for this year for this uh, growing season? For this in twenty twenty three? Yeah. Yes. Yep. I have fourteen this year. Wow. Um, but I've, I've done as many as 25 some years. So it just kind of, it depends on the year. It depends on how well I'm marketing. You know, that all kind of plays, comes into play. So, but yeah, this year I've got 14. I'm sorry, my dog. Um, yeah, that's all right. We're, we're used to farm dogs. That's okay. Yes. <laughs> no problem. Um, but we, um, what's weird this year is fall. Fall is a very, very popular type. Um, so the majority of my weddings this year are August to October. All right. Okay. So, so I wanted to kind of establish the lay of the land here as we take a look now at this bill that was introduced within the last 10 days. It's Assembly yep. Bill 304. And my understanding is that it, it, it's a bill that was introduced in order to do a, a major overhaul of Wisconsin's liquor laws. Um, there are some portions of that law that actually work to level the playing field, my understanding is, for wineries and for uh, craft breweries, which is a good thing. But that law, which is over 150 pages in length, does mm-hmm. include some language that 
event barn operators like yourself find really, really uh, harmful. So can you explain to me what it is about this bill and its language that you find is a threat to your business? Sure, absolutely. Um, well, as the as it currently sits, they're, they're calling it a no-sale permit. So if you get the no-sale permit or license, um, it restricts you to six events a year. And as I just mentioned, I mean, there's been years I've done 25. So if you've con- already contracted with, you know, all these brides and, and, and grooms and you, I mean, who's going to call number seven and say, oh, sorry, you can't, we can't hold your wedding because we can only do six events. Um, I mean, that part is just, it really cripples the business model of most of the, I mean, some of my colleagues are doing 100 weddings a year. They've been doing it for 30 years. Um, So that part would really affect us. They also have put in language to limit the types of drinks. So in terms of, you know, we don't, um, we don't allow like a full bar setup, but we do, you know, some couples like to have a signature drink. It would disallow that. Um, And then I think the, you know, they, they believe that they've given us a carrot in terms of, well, we're opening up the quota of liquor licenses. So you could go and you could apply for a liquor license, um, but they're giving us a 60-day window. And then if you're a new business or one that hasn't been established, um, you're out of luck. You You couldn't get it. And then if someone after 60 days comes into play, um, they couldn't apply for these licenses. And the same with, you know, there might be, I mean, because we've had license quotas in the state, you know, since they put in all the liquor laws. And, um, you know, there's been people wanting to open other businesses that couldn't because of, because of the um, quotas. So, you know, it, it wouldn't open it up to them. It's just opening up to the wedding barns and only for 60 days. My and there's no, there's no talk on cost, no talk on what that license would look like, what it would mean for these historical buildings, you know, what, what, what does, and most of us don't want to be in that business. That's not our model. You don't want to be a bar? No. No. So let me see if I understand, because... <laughs> This is just kind of having my eyebrowser into my hairline. Um, So you've got 60 days to decide if you want this no-sale license, which means I will operate as an event barn. Okay, I'm so wrong. So tell me, tell me where what what the what I'm misunderstanding. So if you choose not to apply for these open quota, the open, the opened up liquor licenses that they're giving us. If you choose not to apply within those 60 days, then you would, you would have, you would get the no sale permit. And that Uh is the one that says only six events a year. Okay. Thank you for that. So what they've done is provide you an opportunity within the next 60 days to buy a liquor license. Yes. Okay. And if you decide not to buy a liquor license within the next 60 days, you automatically become this, have the opportunity to get this no sale license that limits you to six events per year and at no more than one a month so a liquor license 
my understanding is in the state of Wisconsin, liquor licenses have always been hard to get because they've been so limited in their availability. There's only X number of liquor licenses per county or per municipality. So what the carrot is, if I'm understanding you correctly, is that, oh, we'll make more of these liquor licenses available. Mm-hmm. How You know, my understanding, and again, you know, if there are people out there that can correct me, that's fine. My understanding is that a liquor license can cost you 10, I mean, thousands of dollars. Right, and it can. Um, as the law currently states, let's say in my township, um, all the liquor licenses have already gone out. If I, if there was a reserve available in a neighboring um, community or whatnot, you can buy a reserve. And usually, yes, they can be, I mean, I've been told, um, you know, $10,000, $25,000. A normal liquor license, I don't really believe is that expensive. Um, But if you want these extra ones to go over the quota, yeah, it's going to cost you and it's going to cost you a lot. Okay, so let's say, well, let's play devil's advocate here for a moment. Being limited to six events per year when you can have easily between 14, 25, and 100 in a single year would severely choke anybody's ability to operate an event barn. Because my understanding is that when I take a look at these various venues, those farmers have already, they put thousands and thousands of dollars into their event venues to make them both beautiful and safe. Is that Mm -hmm. a true statement? Yes. And that is whether or not you've bought an old barn or a new barn. Um, mo- in the most cases, these event barns are happening in barns that have existed for quite a while, and that's part of their charm. But they have mm-hmm. to be taken a look at to make sure that they are compliant with with health regulations and with building codes, and that typically costs thousands and thousands of dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And, and to get them up to speed and then to maintain, to make sure nobody will trip, nobody gets a splinter, nobody goes into a space where they shouldn't go. And this is in a place that is not selling liquor. Okay. So you've got 60 days to consider whether or not you're going to get a liquor license. But you don't want to be a bar, which involves no. all other kinds of rules and regulations. I mean, wouldn't you have right. to be putting in refrigeration units and taking a look at a commercial kitchen and doing all of that? Well, that is, that's the thing that is not real clear. And the DOR has got some um, info on their website. And to be honest, I've never really looked into it because I've never really, I don't want one, you know. Um, but, yeah, my, you know, my guess is there would have to be sinks put in, walk-in coolers. Um, I don't, I don't want to, you know, my space is, a, it's beautiful. I'm not going to mar it with a walk-in cooler in the middle of the room or something you know I just so yeah I'm not real I'm not real clear but absolutely I know there would have to be some some upgrades and things like that as it stands now you know and of course with all those upgrades come the permits that are required in order to do it right you don't want to be a bar you don't want to be in the daily you know or or weekend business of opening it up to other things. And and opening it up really is part of this point. 
you're not looking to be a public bar. You're a private no. space. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and that's just it. It's um, at that point, if that's the case, well, then you know, right now we are uh, we have very. Um, I have a shutdown time. Um, you know, everybody's got to be out by midnight. Typically, you know, we're ending music at eleven, and so you know, after they're done with us, they are going to the local bars. So they're pouring money into the local taverns, the local hotels, um, spending their money there. They don't stay here past midnight. I mean, like I said, we don't, music has to be done by no later than 1130 and everybody's out at midnight. But then, you know, I hear the stories the next morning about, oh, we went to such and such bar and close it down. And, and that's great because then they're, they're, you know, they're, they're giving back to my community. I was just going to ask you about that. So does, does a, a, an event venue such as your own, does it tend to have spillover effect or positive impact on the local community? Oh, absolutely. The number of hotel rooms that are rented out, um, the local florists, the local caterers, um, you know, I have a local caterer out of Nourishment that probably is the one most of my couples use the most, and he's here probably half of of my contracted weddings usually every year because he does such a great job and he's local. Um, but yeah, hairstylists, makeup artists, DJs—I mean, you name it—they're liquor stores. They're getting their they're getting their goods and services usually on a local level. One of the things I noted in taking a look at some material is that right now, the event barns are operating in compliance with Department of Revenue guidelines as it is. And the Department of Revenue guidelines say that alcohol beverage retail licenses are required for a location where the sale of alcohol beverage takes place and or wherever consumption of alcohol beverages occurs at a public place. And those two things, sale and public, seem to be um, the, the problematic portions of this proposed bill. Do you, do you think that the language of the bill that exists right now could be changed so that it, the event barns are not uh, harmed in this way? I, oh, absolutely. There's room for um, change. And that's the one thing that, you know, what's frustrating for us. We, we dealt with this back in 2018, um, you know, fighting these bills. And, you know, that's all we ask. Could you just bring us to the table? Ask us actually how we're doing business. Um, you know, I, I think there's room for change because the bill is 80, 80% of it is great. And I think our brewers are happy and our wine wine. Um, wineries are happy and if they're not then the whole bill needs to be overhauled but to my understanding they're getting what they wanted but then they snuck in this language for wedding barns um that just completely squashes the model so yeah bring us to the table ask us how we're doing business what would be feasible for us so that they're not shutting down the livelihoods of of um these farms and farmers i mean some of these wedding barns, this is their sole income for their families. Wow. All right. You know, Dave Corbett, when you, when you hear about this issue, anything come to mind? Well, I guess I'm wondering, uh, is there any 
indication of why they want to do what they're proposing to do? The thought is, um, and we keep hearing this, is that these wedding barns are the Wild West, that they just, you know, they allow this just, it's just complete debauchery and there's no regulation and they don't monitor things and whatnot. Um, and I think, you know, the reality is you can't host a wedding at a, at a local tavern. I mean, if there's a supper club or something like that or, or um, an event venue, a larger space, sure. Um, but, you know, is it a matter of are we, are we nervous about competition? Because I'll tell you, I'm not, a com- I'm not competition. I'm bringing, I'm bringing business to local taverns. Um, so it, it's, I, I just don't understand it. Like I said, we, we, we have a noise ordinance. I've imposed a noise ordinance, even though my township doesn't have one. Um, I require licensed bartenders. They have to have liability insurance in addition to ours. I mean, you know, this is our pre- this is our home. This is my home. Why would I allow complete chaos at my home where I have neighbors who I love? And you know, so I mean, I do all this to keep the neighbors happy. I do all this to make sure that the couple has a great time and they can keep their security deposit. Um, you know, it's just. I, I don't understand why um, we've been targeted for the last six years. My understanding, Dave Corvett, and you can correct me on this, Sarah, is that um, the wedding barns um, or the Wisconsin Agricultural Tourism Association, which has many wedding barns within its membership, were never part of the negotiations. Mm-hmm. We didn't know about it until no. it appeared. So why it was done, good question. Good question. And at the hearing that was held uh, earlier this past week, uh, numbers of wedding barn uh, owners, we're talking about family business. We're talking about small family business. We're at the hearing in order to um, let the committee that's in charge of this bill understand how this would really cripple their ability to pull in the revenue that small family farms need in order to stay on the farm. So these are operated as, as safe and beautiful venues. You, you can understand that if a venue does not operate well, it does not get other customers. Bad news travels fast. So these, these, uh, these farms are being operated well. That's how you get other people to come and uh, enjoy a a special event at their location. So let me ask you, Sarah, where could people go in order to kind of register their confusion or to to make a comment or to find out more? Do you have any ideas? Sure. So um, if they like, you can go right to the WADA website um, and there's some, some verbiage and language there that to contact your senators and assemblymen, um, you can Google AB 304 and you can find out who authored the bill. I mean, just go to the Wisconsin um, Assembly and Senate website and you, you can send emails to all of our senators and assemblymen and, and let them know, you know, if that you support these wedding barns and the businesses, the business that they bring into the communities. 
You, uh, you mentioned WADA, which stands for Wisconsin Agricultural Tourism Association, W-A-T-A. And you can find them by going on you know, Googling, which is like always the best thing. Uh, but also <laughs> on Facebook, you can find them on Facebook where they're addressing this kind of situation. Um, and can take your comments. You know, it's it's open for comment. Let's take a look at this and uh, take a get a better picture of how this not only affects the wedding barns, but the but the economics of the surrounding community. Absolutely. Um, well, and in the state, you know, there most of us are, um, or all of us should be paying sales tax on a quarterly basis or paying our income taxes. We have employees that we're, that we are paying taxes on. Um, you know, so this is, and then every business that we, that we utilize, every vendor is also paying taxes to the state. So yeah, I mean, it just, it blows my mind to be honest with you. Well, Sarah, we'll follow this up and, and see how it continues, but thank you so much for being with us this morning on Deep Roots Radio. Really appreciate it. Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.